With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He strikes again. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth with you. And joining us now is John Daigle from 4 for 4 in Spurts. Hey, it's Friday. We got to hear from John. Got to hear from John before we get our bets in for Week 10. So, John, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. I want to start with the Giants and the Cowboys because I have a, a twofold question for you. Number one, how do you see this game playing out? And number two, this is the largest spread of the season at Cowboys minus 17. I'm curious as far as your process is concerned in terms of, in terms of sides and even in terms of props, when you see spreads that large, how do you generally attack them? I usually get terrified when the number is that big and Tommy DeVito did all of his production last week even in garbage time in the fourth quarter he was basically just bailing anytime the Giants the rare times they gave him a clean pocket and just scrambling away and trying to find something to do so he looked fine in the in the last half of that fourth quarter last week but nothing that we still take the Giants seriously especially without any healthy role players outside of Saquon Barkley for me I, I, you know, the, the, the spread suggests as much, but I really do think the Cowboys just lay it on here because quietly no one's noticing that Dak Prescott is doing amazing, but they've become a passing team. Maybe it's because they do understand that Tony Pollard's still pretty banged up from his playoff injury. But right now, not only is Dak Prescott offering higher floor for props with five and a half carries per game over his last three starts, the Cowboys are passing the ball at the league's fifth highest rate when they've had an eight plus point lead. They don't even run the ball anymore whenever they have built this massively. They now just give it to Prescott. They're moving CeeDee Lamb around. He's playing 50-50 finally. I don't know why it took until one of the final years of his rookie deal in week nine to figure it out, but he's finally playing 50-50 boundary and slot receiver, and that's why his target share has grown out of the bye too. Jake Ferguson looks incredible as a red zone threat, so that's kind of become the core of their offense. Instead of Tony Pollard, it's now those three guys together. So, yeah, that's why I kind of like the Cowboys to push back quite easily and move the ball here. Primetime unders, 23-7 and seven this year, and it happened again if uh, you decided to suffer through it between uh, Chicago and Carolina last night. Is, is this a thing where, where you're taking a look at it and thinking, okay, uh, with my fantasy teams, if if I'm kind of splitting hairs here, if I'm close, or with prop bets where you don't want to bet on offensive success in some of these primetime matchups. I mean, we've got some some bad ones this week, but uh, or, or do you think it's just it's kind of random? There's unders all over the place, and we just see it in these primetime games where uh, the offenses have been pretty poor. A lot of times I like to see how the market dictates too. I will say I do like, I have two bets on primetime beginning with Sunday night. I can't believe they put the Jets in front of our national faces again, but here we are. Having said (laughs) that, it's a, it's a much different spot for Brees Hall and the Jets offense this time around. Not that I'm expecting Zach Wilson to do anything different, but Brees Hall in terms of his matchup 
the Chargers have been an amazing run defense this year. Very rarely do we see like defensive splashes in free agency pay off this well. It's kind of happened with the Chargers trenches. It's happened with the Bears too. The Bears run defense has been so good this season based on their two big linebacker signings. But for Hall and the Raiders, the Las Vegas is allowing 4.6 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Eight different running backs have reached over 65 rushing yards against them so far. So the 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 Antonio Pierce is the feel-good story. I get that. They came out as a hard-nosed, run-heavy team. That happened to work last week. I think it kind of backfires this one. So I do like Brees Hall overs quite a bit. And then I am, you mentioned unders. I lean that way with the Bills and the Broncos because like we talked about with Joe Burrow and the Bills last week and the market not catching up to the Bills' leaky defense this past month without their best players – I don't think the market is caught up to the Broncos defense because they started the first month of the season historically poor, but they had too many stars to be that bad in their secondary. And so you always thought, okay, if Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertan, if they could just figure out the scheme and they could start clicking, they're going to be fine. They're going to be league average at least. And so far in their last four games, we've now seen their defense creep up into the top half of the league and pressure created. 12th in yards per attempt in that time, and 10th in limiting explosive passes over the top. They can they are still giving quite a bit of production to opposing running backs, but the Bills are yet again back in their bag like last year and giving their backfield the fewest touches in the, in, uh, in the league. That's probably why every offseason, too, they're rumored to make a big signing or use high draft capital on a running back because they absolutely hate their guys um, in the backfield behind Josh Allen. Maybe that also leads to Leonard Fournette being promoted this week, but even then, mm-hmm. does he actually make that big of an impact in his first game? So I like the under in the Broncos-Bills game. Commanders at Seahawks. Uh, how many ways can we exploit this commander's defense? That's what I've been looking at. I'm probably going to stay away from the spread here, but is this a Geno Smith game, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker, or maybe you're not interested in any of these props, but I'm curious your thoughts on this matchup. It is DK Metcalf for me because Ooh, we saw last okay. week, as I'm sure you've talked about throughout the week, the commander's first game without Montez Sweat and Chase Young, they only pressured Mac Jones on 23% of his dropbacks, and they recorded one sack. Just for reference for everyone, they were pressuring quarterbacks on 36% of their dropbacks through week eight. And Geno has been turning the ball over a lot, but he's still averaging eight yards per attempt from a clean pocket, sixth among all quarterbacks. And so if we think he's going to stand back there and not be under duress, I would imagine he he's able to deliver quite efficiently. And DK Metcalf last week, even against that historically good Ravens defense, like I knew the Ravens were good. I picked them with the points. I didn't think it'd be a bludgeoning like that. Uh, Even then though, he spiked a little 50 yard catch. He led them with a 23 yard depth of target. So if, if I, if I was not scared to bet DK Metcalf overs against that defense, you can only imagine the ladders I'm putting on the board this week against the commanders. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that more than makes sense to me. (laughs) That's for darn sure. Uh, We were talking about uh, Colts and Patriots uh, earlier in the program, and I think the general consensus among the three of us was, boy, there's no good reason to wake up early and watch this football game. But do you see a reason to bet on this football game? Do you see something we should be watching for? Wake up early and watch the final round of the Barracuda Championship 
instead, I guess, because it's not this game. It's not happening here. <laughs> uh, the Patriots are blitzing at the league's fourth highest rate, and Gardner Minshew, that has been his bugaboo this year. He's completing just 55% of his passes for five yards per attempt against the Blitz. Uh, I, I worry about the Patriots' passing game. Also, the fact that Carolina has been better against the run. Like, Deontay Foreman got there last night, but it wasn't sexy. It was, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown, kind of what Deontay Foreman does. Carolina has been better out of their bye, and that's I think that's why Jonathan Taylor, although he got there with a receiving touchdown last week, still quietly only averaged 2.6 yards per carry. But we did at least see the changing of the tides and, and him out-touch Zach Moss massively. Having said that, I just think the Patriots defense is actually going to be able to stifle the Colts' passing attack. And thus, like we had mentioned earlier, unfortunately, I, I lean towards under in this one. I don't think it's worth waking up for. I don't have a side, but if you told me to bet or lean which way, I'd probably just go Patriots money line. I think the wrong team may be favored here. Uh, John, I saw uh, this week in your waiver wire column that, like like many others, you had number one Quentin Johnston because of the opportunity, and you know that's somebody that I was high on in the off season and figured he would get opportunities, and it, it's looked awful. But now, due to injuries, he's forced into it. Uh, I want to see if you could sell me on Johnston a little bit. Like I just couldn't, I just couldn't. <laughs> I haven't seen enough there, but we'll see if he gets the looks and just that game in general. Uh, Chargers Lions. It's going to be. It's one of the few games that looks like it's going to be pretty good this week. Uh, Detroit, a three-point road favorite. Off the moving pieces in Chargers Lions. Let's start with Quentin Johnson and fantasy football because one, it's a weak waiver wire for fantasy. Even our hero Keaton Mitchell mm-hmm. uh, got downgraded at practice on Thursday, so we don't even know if we're going to get him if you went for the running back instead of the wide receiver. For me, Quentin Johnson, everything is kind of adding up. Because not only the opportunity led the Chargers in routes run last week in his first game without Josh Palmer, but now we've seen out of their bye, albeit against the Jets and the Bears, the Chargers offense, Tommy DeVito has a higher depth of target these past two weeks than Justin Herbert. They've kind of gone back to their old ways. Everyone, every, everyone has always said that, oh, like it's no longer Joe Lombardi, it's Kellen Moore. That's not how professional football works. We know that. What happens is Justin Herbert looks up, he sees Jalen Guyton, and he says, hell no, and he throws to Austin Eckler instead. <laughs> that's, how, that's how depth of targets work. You still need the talent to get downfield. And now we've seen since week four, without Mike Williams, their best downfield receiver, Justin Herbert's 20th in yards per attempt. He's completed less than 60% of his passes in four of the last five games. And I, I know that's a backwards way to say I think Quentin Johnson can succeed, but the fact is, and Ed knows this, Johnston was not a good downfield receiver at TCU. He's one of the nation's worst, actually. Uh-huh. The way you utilize him is like big Brandon Ayuk. He averaged 7.7 yards after the catch per reception at TCU. And so if we now are integrating this offense to get the ball out quickly just to move the chains, that's how Johnston succeeds. Otherwise, he gets incorrectly pigeonholed in the league – like Chase Claypool, who has also been one of the league's worst contested catch uh, options downfield for his entire career. So 6-3-208, but he does need to be used like Brandon Ayuk, and I think it can work this way. So opportunity plus the Jets. That's the whole point with the Chargers offense too, right, is that the Jets have stifled everyone they've played. Patrick Mahomes, uh, league low passing yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts, they got to him with three picks. Josh Allen had three picks. They even stopped Tua. The Jets defense stop everyone, so that's no big deal. I don't worry about Quentin Johnston bouncing back. Now for this game against Detroit, 
for, for futures for Detroit, I still worry because the two times they've been asked, like the Dolphins, to compete against playoff contenders, they failed. Geno Smith threw for 328 and two touchdowns in week two. And then a couple weeks ago, Lamar Jackson got him for over 303 touchdowns. But because of whatever, everything I just said, I don't think the Chargers are the offense to really take advantage and like exploit the Lions' defensiveness here. Also, the Chargers have been playing zone coverage at the 10th highest rate of their defensive snaps. And Jerry Goff this year has been awesome against zone coverage. 70% completion rate, tied with Kirk Cousins for a league-high eight touchdowns against zone coverage too. So I really like the Lions just kind of do whatever they want against the Chargers, and I think the number's too low, honestly. Love it. Awesome. So I want to open it up to you. What are some matchups that you love props wise that we haven't discussed anything left on the board that you like? My other big bet besides the Lions laying the points this week is the 49ers laying the points against the Jaguars, because I think how the Jaguars defense has performed based on their metrics under the hood, like they are over-hyping themselves right now. Uh, in fact, they're probably a team we're fading over the second half of the season, given that their offense also really hasn't performed that great. But Brock Purdy, we know the issues in his last three games have really come under duress. Five interceptions, two fumbles in that time. But from a clean pocket, he still leads the league in yards per attempt and completion rate. And now this Jags defense, 25th in pressure rate, 26th in sacks. Not only that, but they're one of only four defenses playing zone coverage on over 80% of their snaps. You can set your watch to it. And the prop you asked about, Brandon Ayuk against zone coverage this year has seen 61% of his targets for the second most yards per catch, 19 yards per catch, and leads the league in yards per route run against said coverage. We're getting Trent Williams back. We're getting Debo Samuel back. So I don't see the 49ers having an issue here. I'm excited because I think the game could also go over, but I really like the 49ers team total and just everyone to get there for them. When it comes to this Bengals offense, T. Higgins expected to miss with that hamstring injury. Jamar Chase plans to play. How flexible do you feel like the Bengals are as far as their personnel is concerned to be able to withstand any kind of injury to that receiver core? I would have been skeptical before the Bills game, but then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they wanted to show off and also get their tight ends involved. It's like, oh, y'all can do anything. That's good to know for the second half of the season. <laughs> so maybe I don't worry about it in this spot. And honestly, it's it's a pretty great spot for the Bills because we saw the Texans open up with 23 different players on their injury report as of Wednesday. It seems like they're going to get a couple back, but even then, this is not a game I bet against of Lou Anarumo. That's kind of been my thought on this one all week long. Like, we forget because he's been around so long calling plays for the Bengals that he's faced prominent rookies in his career. And he held Lou Anarumo, Kyler Murray, to 253 passing yards and no passing touchdowns as a rookie. The Dolphins in Tua's rookie year managed only one offensive touchdown against him. And then in 2021, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields combined for 260 passing yards and one interception against him. I just think like the way the Bengals also play coverage, that's how they're going to get here in this one. I, I kind of expect them to confuse the hell out of CJ Stroud. So I like the Bengals and the points here too. Good stuff. John Daigle from 4 for 4 at BetSpurts. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, CJ Stroud versus Joe Burrow. Our plays for that contest. We also are going to talk about the Browns and Ravens and the Little Giants against the Cowboys. That's right here on the BetQL Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. And now, can they win it? Trout to the end zone. Touchdown, Tank Dell. C.J. Stroud leads a magical drive. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And let's get back to the games. The magical Houston Texans are going up against the Bengals. Cincinnati's a six and a half point favorite. We've got a total of 47. Joe, as I mentioned in our last segment with John Daigle, T. Higgins expected to miss the game with a hamstring injury. Jamar Chase plans to play. So given that intel, how are you playing this one? Yeah, I don't know that we really have any intel on Chase at the moment. It was, he wasn't practicing. He has a chance to play. Of course, the player's going to say he hopes he can play. I was surprised that T. Higgins has already been ruled out. Like, that's usually something that happens on a Friday. But uh, that makes me think that uh, maybe there's some concern that this thing's going to linger a hammy uh, moving forward. And then there's stuff going on with the Texans injury report as well uh, to their offense. The most notable thing for me is the sevens are gone. There was money coming in on Houston plus seven. That was, there was buyback right then and there on Houston, even though Cincinnati is the hot team. It's a tough spot. Like they've had some all out performances against some tough opponents and they've got another tough opponent sitting there next week. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's been two games, but you got to give them credit. It's it's tough of an opponent you can play, and they have balled out. At seven, this was a consideration for the Texans, and um, you know that Higgins injury brings it down a little bit. And uh, but you know Nico Collins and Woods, we don't know about their status. Same thing with Pierce. You can run on this Bengals team a little bit, and it doesn't look like you're going to have them, even though the run game's been awful this year. But there is that ability of Stroud. Like he still, Tankdale had a huge game last week, a huge game. So there is that possibility. I'd only consider Texans, but now that all the sevens are gone and it's it's trending six at some spots, I'm I'm not interested, guys. And I thought about playing the total, but your Burrow's going to be missing one of his top options. It looks like Stroud's going to be missing one of his top options as well and uh there's that high ceiling quarterbacks like it makes you think under but then i'm like you know what these quarterbacks are so good uh we've seen them get it done with just about anybody so i i'm, I'm gonna be staying off this game all right there's is something i love in this game and i love cj stroud over his passing yards 249 and a half at bed mgm i just played it in the break the other reason is a lot of teams haven't been able to run the ball on the Cincinnati Bengals rush defense. So I think Stroud will have to pass it. And the Bengals' past three opposing quarterbacks have averaged more than 300 passing yards. I don't think this is the week that C.J. Stroud slows down, and I think he can definitely go over this passing yards prop, Ed. 
There's also the matter of game script where it's not just that the Texans, I mean, what is it? Uh, Damian Pierce, I think, is also a part of this injury report among the 23 uh, casualties, more or less. So that Mm -hmm. is also a big deal. So I look at this and go, game script might very well dictate if the Texans are trailing uh, massively, we're going to have to pass pass the ball a good bit more. So in that respect, uh, it makes sense. I still have concerns, though as this Bengals defense continues to evolve because they've also been on a similar upward trajectory as has Joe Burrow over these last few weeks. So in that respect, uh, it's not a play I'm going to make, but I certainly understand it and more than respect that process there. Here's the way that I look at this. It's a total of 47. So it doesn't exactly match the process we have here. But now that the number is at six and a half, if you are using, say, a player-based model, If your receiver is worth more than a field goal, then you need a new model. Because let's say Jamar Chase is out, as well as T. Higgins. Yeah, two significant pieces for Joe Burrow. But even if both of them are out, I trust Joe Burrow more than enough to be able to handle doing creative things like, say, play-action passing. Texans defense is really bad against play action passing. So I suspect there are going to be some unknown names who are going to be utilized. Burrow could also use his tight ends a good bit more. That's also a distinct possibility. But I feel like that Bur- that Joe Burrow is more than competent enough, especially as he's getting healthier, to be able to handle the injuries to his key wide receivers. And so my point is with this total being at 47, yeah, it's kind of high. But I cannot imagine the Texans winning this game outright, even with the Bengals injuries. And so if we tease this down, I think this is a really attractive teaser leg to Bengals minus half a point. Yeah, there's been a big adjustment on this for for sure. Like if we're looking at the number right now, it's moved two points from the look ahead. But the other part of that is everybody is so hot on the Texans. So that's what's fascinating about the line movement here. And yes, it's a reaction to some of the injury stuff. But the other part is the public loves both of these teams. Public loves Stroud. Yeah. Public loves Burrow. Like they're betting him for uh, for MVP. Like it's going out of style. So it's going to be really interesting where this number ends up closing. Really interesting. We don't have anything because uh, we don't have any props on him because we don't know if he's playing. But we do know that Higgins is out. Chase is out there. We've got to bet those props, right? Probably. It's going to be all him. Yeah. He's going to keep feeding him all day. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of yak as well. Like I could see some short passes out to him. And then he's the one who sort of makes it go after that. So, you know, yards would make sense. Longest reception. That probably makes sense to me as well, because what if they just go nuts trying to contain Chase and then everyone else is wide open? Well, I still trust Chase to be able to break free for at least one or two. So that's probably the best option for me. But receptions uh, might also make a good bit of sense because at least the targets will be there. Is anyone betting the over here? It's one of the highest totals. Is it the highest? No, No, it's not the highest. No chance. One one of them. them. Nope. I could not. Yeah, could could Stroud have a ton of yards and not score at all? Like things kind of get stymied in the red zone. That seems like a distinct possibility to me. Um, you know, maybe Texas I agree. Field I could see might actually make sense. I could see yeah. Stroud having a lot of yards and they still lose this game by more than a touchdown. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
it, it is the second shocked. most bet over though for uh, bet MGM uh, in terms of tickets. And so the public certainly likes a lot of points in this one, but the public is clamoring for an over game. They're not getting it in prime time. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely the desire, the, the will is strong, but I don't know if uh, this will be another one that that's more of a stay away for me, but anyway, all right, we move on now to the Browns and the Ravens, Baltimore, six and a half point favorites at home with a low total of 38. Joe, what do you see here? Yeah, I mean, it's legit that these are the top two defenses in the league. Uh, total, you mentioned the 38. So I wonder if people are going to be betting the under just following these two defenses. Probably not something you want to do with the way Lamar's offense is rolling right now. If we were to rank offenses right now, like you you could say, yeah, they're number one. In the year of the under, the, the Ravens offense is on fire. And it brings us back to over the summer. There, there was all this chatter about what Munkin's going to do, how explosive they're going to be. And then the start of the season happened. Oh, what's going on? We heard so much about Munkin's offense. It's going to change, and they're going to be explosive. Now they are. Just took a little bit of time. A, a lot of these coordinator changes that, that we talked about, that everybody was talking about in media, um, now they're coming to fruition. Now we see the impact Vic Fangio's having that Dolphins defense. The impact Flores has happened with the Vikings defense and what the impact of Munkin's offense is right now with this Ravens team. So um, it seems like respected money is coming in on the Ravens. It wouldn't surprise me if this number touches seven, which at that point I'd be like, whoa, what are we doing? This AFC North matchup against this Cleveland defense, we're going to be at seven. We've come that far and, and I respect the Ravens very much. Uh, but that that would seem like an incredible move, an incredible move. Um, look, I mean, you want to talk about mismatch. If we're going to do the quarterback thing, Watson versus Lamar right now, geez, I know they both have great defenses, but those two aren't even on the same planet. So, I mean, they had the, the shutout last week and the final score looked fine, but Watson in what should have been a matchup where you take advantage, I can't say that he really balled out. So there's still a lot of concern there. I can't bet the Browns. I just can't. Not not going up against Lamar. Um, yeah, I'm really – and, and the under, because of what Lamar can do, I can't get to the under, even it's, though it's a divisional matchup and we've seen low-scoring affairs with these two teams in the past and the defenses are playing so well. Like Lamar could just just explode in this one. He, he really could. So uh, I'm uh, not going to do anything there. If anything, I would look to a, a Baltimore teaser if you had to. Hmm. I mean, Deshaun Watson looked decent in his return, but the Ravens have just been so good. I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. I think they beat the Browns by double digits. So I like the Ravens minus six and a half. I don't think I have a problem laying this number. Cleveland just doesn't have enough offense to keep up with Baltimore, in my opinion. I I don't think it'll be close. I am going the other side here, and I will wait until this number gets to seven or assuming that it will get to seven at some point before kickoff, and then Mm -hmm. I want to pounce on the Browns. Model has this at minus 5.9, so emphasizing that quasi-key number of six makes me interested, especially if there's a little bit of juice involved, but definitely waiting for a seven uh, if and when that happens. That's the play that I think that makes a lot of sense. Browns are going to force Lamar Jackson into deep throws. I think that's safe to say. 
On quick passes, the Browns are number one in the NFL defending those, so I doubt he'll try too many. But this game may be where we see Cleveland blitz at the highest rate they have had to all season long. And since 2021, look, Lamar Jackson has had a negative EPA per drop back against the blitz. High sack rate of nearly 10%, pressure rate of nearly 40%. I get that there is a perfect storm happening in Baltimore right now with this offense, but I also feel like if you increase the sample size, it's such to where if the Browns are blitzing a good bit more and forcing Jackson to chuck it, I think that could work out well for Cleveland to at least keep this game close. Yeah, I it makes sense, certainly. Well, look, and just like from a betting perspective, it just simple approach. If we're not even going to break down the matchup, just look at the numbers. Okay, we've got a divisional matchup, teams that have a history of playing close, tight games, great defenses, low total, and you got a team that might be a seven-point dog. Just take the dog if you're just walking in blind, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Per- sure. I like that Absolutely strategy. Mm-hmm. Certainly could there. One other prop real quickly. I like Amari Cooper over 20 half yards for his longest reception. Again, it's one of those deals where he's not going to get a lot of opportunities uh, against his Ravens defense, but I think one could be such where he breaks free. So over 20 half yards for his longest catch. That makes sense to me. Let's move on now to the Giants and the Cowboys. If you like New York, they're 10 to 1 on the money line, but otherwise it's a 17 point spread with a total of 39. <laughs> Clearly, Aaron's going to take the Giants to win this thing outright, but Joe, are you going to do the same thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, give me the boys. I'm going to lay the number. We're at 17 now, bet MGM. I don't care. Even though I. It, yeah, even though I just said low total, you take the dog. Here's the thing I don't know that the Giants are getting to seven in this game. So I cannot do that. I I expect the Cowboys to roll. Maybe they go to Matt Barkley at some point. How many times are they going to cross the 50? Not quite sure. Um, The Giants defense has been playing better, but it doesn't matter because they can't score any points with DeVito. You know, we talked with Aaron Schatz the other day. We were going over how the Giants are by far, according to his uh, numbers, the worst team in football. And guys, a lot of that was before DeVito. Like that was with QB1 and QB2. And now they have DeVito and they're dead last at net yards per play. Like there's nothing positive that you could say about the Giants. And I'm fine laying the 17. Another angle that I find interesting, this tear that Lamb is on, 191, wow, yeah. 158, 117. Guys, the last two weeks, Lamb has had 30 targets. 30 targets over the last couple of games. Do we expect that to stop now? The prop is 77 and a half. That is way too short. That's way too short for Lamb. Not against the G-Man. That's definitely one of my favorite plays. I I mean, I'm looking at how many ways you can exploit the Giants here, and CeeDee Lamb over 77 and a half seems pretty safe for me. I mean, that's... You look at his game log. I have it up right now. 191, 158, 117, 143, 77 his first week. It seems like he'll be able to fly over easily there. I guess if they're up so big, but at that point he will have gone over his prop. So it doesn't really matter. You, it's not like yes. it's at 100. He was That's, part of the reason. Yeah. He was part of the reason they got up so big. Right. Yeah. 
but that's the thing is even when they are up big, they're still throwing the football. They'll keep their starters out there longer than perhaps they should. So in right. that respect, I love the C.D. Lamb over. Not to mention Dak Prescott's been throwing beyond 10 air yards a good bit more consistently these last couple of weeks, and he's had to start the season. So throw it deep, throw it early, throw it often. C.D. Lamb, I think that's a great play, and the Cowboys are going to cover that massive spread. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Joe Aaron and I come to blows because we have some very strong opinions about Lions, Chargers, and Falcons, Cardinals. Ring the boxing <laughs> bell. It's the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Are you ready for the most interactive sports gambling show? Introducing BetQL Send It In with PJ Glasser. We want to hear from you. Send It In is about your picks, your trends, and your fades. Share your thoughts, predictions, and your best daily best bets with the Send It In community. Set your reminders, mark your calendars, and get ready to send it in on weekday afternoons at 1 Eastern on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. On your home for wagertainment, the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. swindled by this woman who he thought he was going home with her they get into the uber and basically he finds out that she just kind of swindled him to pay for the uber and then they never really talked again well update yesterday jake and said lady are now dming so what's the uh, update here yeah game respect game uh in the summer you know you win some you lose some and be like that what are you gonna do Listen, it's and we're in the waning weeks of summer here. We got to check back in with some of our old, some of the old flames. We got to see what's uh, that's what. what this we, is. This is a we late gotta check in. thing. We yeah, got to check in and in see what's going ball. on. See if the see if there's yeah. any life left in any of these dead relationships. So wow. we just got to go back, check back in, see what's up. You know, what's her name? Listen, Did you I, send a I, I initiated. What, what's her Instagram account? Whoa. <laughs> Wait, uh, no, yeah, we're just, listen, I said it to Mario after, as I was walking out. We were volume shooting this weekend, not going to lie. We're just volume oh, shooting. We're copy-pasting. Oh, oh, no. no. We're, we're no. copy-pasting. We're hey, volume much, shooting. We're just seeing who bites. And then. Jake, how much How much would it take for, for you to read on air what was copied and what was pasted? I could read, uh, I could read a good one from earlier this summer that me and Mario went over. I, oh, I agree with her oh, earlier you guys this had summer. like a team meeting. Oh, Wait, there was there. Was, oh, I would yes. call it a collab earlier this summer, but there was a oh, like no. a out. meeting, if you will. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, I need this. Oh. So we're three and out from each side. Thomas Morstead has had, in some ways, his best year at 37 years old. Drives Darius Davis back, and a pretty good return. Good's turning to great. Darius Davis, he is gone. There are no flags on the field, and those are the first points on this Monday night. Touchdown for the rookie. 
This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Let's get back to the games and the highest total of the week belongs to the Lions at the Chargers. Detroit's a three-point favorite on the road. Joe, how are you playing it? Yeah, I think this one's going to be fun. At least I think so. I have a hard time believing that this one gets completely out of hand, but but I am looking forward to this one. Uh, one of the first things to always look at, especially when you get to this time of the year, you get golf indoors, you get golf dealing with some weather. Uh, we're not we're not getting him dealing with some weather, so he gets that controlled environment. And the other part is uh, the Lions are getting a lot healthy healthier coming off of the bye. It, it feels like they don't really have any issues. David Montgomery is going to be back in the fold. Gibbs did a nice job taking over uh, when he was gone, but now they're going to have uh, that two-pronged attack there. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he looks to have a big advantage going up against that Chargers secondary. Have to like that. Goff, you know, is as accurate as anyone. He's second in on-target percentage in the entire league. Now the Chargers have looked a lot better of late, but they lose another uh, one of the receivers they've been leaning on, and Josh Palmer. And it, like we were talking about with John Day, goes Quentin Johnson be able to going to be able to step up. Um, there's nothing that we've seen that would suggest that that would be the case, that he's going to be able to take over and be just as productive as Palmer. So are they going to lean on Keenan and Eckler a little bit more? Most likely. That's most likely uh, what they're going to do. But, you know, with, with the Chargers not pushing it down the field as much, it, it's a tough defensive matchup for them. You've got number one in the NFL in pressures, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, with 28 of them. So I trust that team. I, I mean, one reason to believe in the Lions as much as I've pushed against it is they're one of the more, more balanced teams in the NFL. And I, I, I do trust that. I wish the number was inside of three, but it's been pushed that way. It, we have a big adjustment, though. I mean, that was it was Chargers favored on the look ahead line. Now we've got Detroit favored. I don't know, understand. I mean, the line's not even playing last week. Why you had such a big adjustment? I mean, Chargers looked fine last week, uh, but people finally realizing, wait, 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 this this number is off, and so much Lions support coming in. I'm with it. I, I think the Lions are going to win and cover. And that's what they do when they win, they cover. So I'm with you on the Lions here. I think they're going to feast and they are going to have a day. (laughs) Uh, I also think I'm lower on Kellen Moore now. I mean, Justin Herbert in this offense hasn't overly impressed me. And the defense, while it has shown it can be really good to start the season, it really wasn't. I think they've been inconsistent. So I think this is a great spot for the Lions minus three win and cover love it if you wanted to convince me to back the lions say in the first half then maybe i can follow along that path but i think for full game i'm definitely backing the chargers at plus three here in large part because justin herbert's been great against the blitz and look the lions aren't a blitz happy defense we know that they are really effective when they do blitz they're really good at knowing when to throw that extra pass rusher so that's fine But the problem is, I don't think you're going to be able to do that against Justin Herbert. So I wouldn't be surprised if this Lions defense is perhaps a little bit more vanilla, something that Herbert can kind of pick apart. And yes, he is running out of warm bodies at wide receiver. I get that. But I also trust the quarterback a lot here. 
So you put all these things together and you're facing a vanilla, perhaps even predictable defense, where if they do try and add a wrinkle, then Herbert's more than prepared to attack it. I see this being a higher scoring game. If you want to bet over on the total, I think that's perfectly fine. But in that case, if it's a back and forth, I don't think the Lions are going to blow them out. I'm not expecting anything lopsided. Uh, But if that's the case, then yeah, give me the dog with some points here just for the wiggle room. Uh, The two quarterbacks that they face during this uh, current two-game winning streak, they have not been tested at all. It's been Zach Wilson and Tyson Bajan, and you're going to have a step Mm -hmm. up in class, step up in class Mm -hmm. this week uh, going against that Lions. And I'm not going to say that Goff's like a top-five quarterback or anything like that, but it's just everything you're going against and all the options that he has at his disposal. Um, they now could they keep it close? Yeah, like Dallas, they lost by a field goal. That's what the number is. Miami, first game of the year, they lost by two. That would be a cover. Tennessee, when they lost, that was an overtime game. They lost by a field goal, so they could keep it close there, uh, for sure. But yeah, I, I think the Lions are are in a good spot. It's it is a sh- much sharper number now than what it was. Uh, would you bet the Chargers like early in the week when it was sitting at one and a half two? Would you bet him at that? Or is it just because we not. got to the three? Yeah, I, I don't I, think I think it's would. because we got to the three, where my model is more like 1.2, something like that. So it was telling me to stay away for a long time. And also when it comes to process, I understand the bump because the Lions are coming off of a bye. And I do think if any team, I mean, there are probably a handful of teams where you can almost guarantee that coming off of a bye is a good thing. And I think Detroit is probably one of them. Still, though, I think, yeah, it's a higher number, but I think three is just too big for my liking. This is something where if it moves the other direction, then it might be more of a stay away. But look, the public likes Lions minus three. In terms of my side, I might even be better off just waiting a little bit and then pouncing. Oh, you think? Another thing. Wow. That's possible. I mean, if, if the public loves it that much, I mean, I know, you know, sharp betters aren't moving it at this point. But, I mean, with this much love for Detroit and so many disparaging remarks for Brandon Staley. I mean, this feels like one of those games where, all right, we're going to prove Detroit's going to win the division. We're going to prove Detroit's in contention for the NFC uh, number one seed. Meanwhile, the Chargers, like, do we even think they're going to get a playoff spot at this point? This feels like a safe game to play in terms of reputation. Mm. But if that's the case, then won't the number move as we get closer to kickoff? Maybe. One thing I was also looking at is with a higher total Jared Goff over his passing yard prop of 267 and a half. He has gone Mm -hmm, over that mm -hmm. four times. Uh, So that's another thing I have my eye on in this one. Yeah. I'm waiting for the Donovan Peoples-Jones numbers to list because if there is a receiver of any receivers I want to back in this game, it might be him. Same faces, new places theme I've been talking about all day long. But his prop hasn't been listed yet because you don't know exactly, you know, what his, uh, I guess, availability is going to be. But he is going to be the newest deep threat, and he is going to be important in some of those sub-package roles. So I would expect whatever the number is that he'll probably be a significant playmaker, assuming he is out there for a significant time. Yeah, just uh, touchdowns listed for Peoples-Jones, and that's plus 550. Uh, five to one at most spots. So pretty good number. Yeah. Um, curious what kind of uh, prop you get there. Uh, if this is a back and forth affair, like these are a couple of names that we might be talking about for passing leader. Hey, 
I maybe mm-hmm. we're trying to uh, wish it into existence where we get a, a shootout, but it's going to happen in some <laughs> game at some point this season, right? Exactly. <laughs> at least one or two, I would hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is the likeliest one to be to shoot out, not just because of the mm-hmm. highest total, but we're talking about two really competent quarterbacks uh, and defenses where I'm making the case of the Lions defense uh, may be a little susceptible to something here. Chargers pass defense, certainly susceptible. So it yeah. is a perfect storm to me for it to be a shootout. So in that regard, uh, there are a lot of weekly leaders that will probably come out of this. If you play DFS, certainly there are a lot of key playmakers here. Uh, look for the under the radar guys, I think, if you're going to play that uh, style. But definitely, I think that makes a lot of sense. How about we move on now to the Falcons and the Cardinals? Atlanta's a one and a half point favorite. We've got a total of 43. A lot of quarterback questions really on both sides, Joe. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of quarterback questions. This one is is a thing, man. It is a thing. Atlanta, the short road favorite. So Kyler lifts everybody that much. That's It's amazing to me. I don't think he's going to lift the defense, which is bottom two in EPA per play, DVOA, success rates. Uh, the offense has been pathetic. I mean, they, they benched Dobbs before they traded him. Don't forget that. That's how bad things were going. Man, there's a lot of noise going on with Atlanta. I'm in on Atlanta. I said that from the start. Like, this is a value play. We haven't even seen Kyler. Like, they're saying all the right things about how great he looks. Okay. There were, it's news if they say any, anything otherwise. Um, but, man, is it noisy. Arthur Smith going on a different rant every single day with the media. It's a, it's a smaller media market, too. But he's coming under fire. And he, it seems like he's melting down. Heineke said this is their Super Bowl. A regular season game in the middle of the season against the worst team in the NFL is your Super Bowl? Like, I'm on Atlanta, oh, I that. But, but there's some noise coming out of the Falcons, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, what, what exactly is going on in that building right now? Wow. I did not hear that, and I am – in shock, really. Is that, that good or bad? Want to fade them. Is that, I makes that me want to fade them even more. Fade them? I, I, Hell give me the no. Cardinals. Give me the Cardinals. I don't care how rusty <laughs> Kyler Murray is. I still want the Cardinals. He's going to give them something. I think even just his presence will give that team a little bit of a boost. I mean, Cardinals fans, it's not a Diamondbacks town. Hopefully, they'll, the crowd will be allowed to see <laughs> Kyler back in the building. Um, I'm hoping it gives a boost. Maybe I'm stretching for things, a reason why I want to back the Cardinals here. But, yeah, there's. I just cannot. I felt like the Falcons were frauds all year long. And them saying, or Heineke saying this is the Super Bowl is very disappointing. So, yeah, give me the Cardinals. <laughs> it's very disappointing. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> Phoenix is a Coyotes town. You know that as much as anybody. No. The Coyotes run Phoenix more than any other sports franchise. That's the one that everyone cares about. A city full of nothing but transients. Transients! Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm backing the Falcons here. Uh, yeah, the noise is ridiculous, uh, but I'm not going to let one idiotic comment uh, lead me astray. Uh, Arizona's defense cannot stop outside runs. They're bad there. Taylor Heineke, I, I, he'll be fine. Prop I really like. Longest pass completion over 34 and a half yards. That's probably the best play for me. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, what we like in Commander Seahawks, Jets, Raiders, 
Might even talk a little Broncos Bills as well. That's right here on the BetQL Network.